I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Our show is about fixes. Not the same old left versus right. I am right, I'm right. and you are wrong. Yeah. Yeah, something new. How to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? Good morning. Hey, hi, Joan. How are you, Richard? I'm fine, thank you. Good. Hello, Joan. Jim Meggs here. Oh, hi, Jim. Nice to meet you. And our producer, Miranda Schaefer, is also here. Yay, another woman. Yeah, I know, I, right? I know we thought we might possibly need that, just just to keep <laughs> us out of trouble. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's okay, though. Uh, Miranda's here to say, listen, you guys, you got to ask this. So, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Miranda. The gender gap in the public square. Our guest today argues that all too often women are treated as footnotes in American history. Yeah, perhaps in the past, uh, but many educators have spent years trying to recognize and celebrate the work of women. Nevertheless, we do have a problem, I think. Only 20 of America's 500 largest companies have women CEOs. That's just 4.5% in the corner office. And women make up just 20% of Congress. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies with producer Miranda Schaefer in the studio. And our guest is Joan Wages, president and CEO of the National Women's History Museum. Joan's been a leading voice on women's issues and equality for many years. She joins us via Skype from Washington. Welcome, Joan. Good morning. So, Joan, tell us why you think we need to change the national conversation about women. We find that role models have a huge impact on the way young girls and women in general think about themselves. So we need more women role models, and we need them to be out in the public sphere so that people know about them. Do we need more women role models also for boys? Yes, of course. I mean, in the same way that that men have been role models for women, young boys need these role models to show that there are various ways they can pursue their own dreams. How do we do it? How how do we get from a position where our role models are mostly men, the vast majority of them are men, to a more balanced perspective? Well, that's quite a challenge. But one of the ways is to have a National Women's History Museum so that when the millions of tourists who come to Washington every year learn that there is one and give some thought as to why that is important. But there are uh, 
other ways that uh, women's history could be promoted, either more through textbooks or in other museum exhibits or in the public sphere. But, I mean, as you mentioned about corporate CEOs and the women members of Congress— Each time a young girl hears this, it sends a message to them that they're not equal. And that's what needs to change. Joan, how did you become interested in this topic? I was already working on legislative issues, and so I was focused on primarily women's workforce. And then I heard about this effort to move a statue of the three founders of the suffrage movement, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, and Lucretia Mott. It's a statue that had been put into the basement of the Capitol, but there was an effort to move it upstairs so that our foremothers would stand alongside our forefathers. So I I didn't know who these women were because I knew very little about women's history, but what I did know is that I thought women should be standing in our national rotunda. So I tracked down the leader of the effort and got myself involved. My wife was a longtime um, uh, teacher in the New York City public schools and and taught uh, history, social studies uh, to seventh and eighth graders. Her sense was that the history books that she worked with did a pretty good job of this. I mean, the end of every chapter, there was an effort to look at examples of of women and and various minorities, Native Americans, and what their contribution or their role was, and to also capture a little bit about some people who maybe were not major actors, but what were the lives of ordinary people like that didn't traditionally made the the history books? Have we made a lot of progress on this? Well, maybe New York State has (laughs) where your wife was teaching, but the latest survey that we have seen shows that only 15, 1-5% of the figures in the textbooks are women. So, Many of the textbooks must have very few if the one your wife was working with had a lot. Well, what would be the Uh, right percentage? Well, maybe 50. (laughs) Women make up at least 50% of our population. And so it would take some effort to rethink how the textbooks are written. But that is a matter of who is doing the decision making. What way do you think women are really missing from the narrative, from the national conversation? And how does that affect our politics and and the way we think about ourselves? The sphere of the home and the community, um, that's not part of our history textbooks. And yet women had a huge impact. Um, An example of that, Sybil Luddington. A 16-year-old girl during the Revolutionary War was sent to go out and round up the militia because the British were coming. They won that battle against the British. Her story, very similar to Paul Revere's, yet none of us know her name, and we don't know about these women who have done these extraordinary things and were not written about in the history books. I'm going to push back for a minute because okay. because history is stories, stories about who won a battle, um, who signed a peace deal, who uh, overthrew a government. Those are stories that are easier to tell, maybe more compelling stories. Well, we don't 
no women who were associated with that because women, again, were confined to the home front, to the sphere. So it's a choice of thinking that only wars and peace deals are the important things and are the only stories. I do want to challenge you a bit on how do we define history? For example, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Harriet Tubman. I think she's just such an inspiring story, and every school kid right. in America should know who she is. And, they, and she gets a lot of time and attention from my, you know, my kids going through school. But you know, Harriet Tubman could only, only free the slaves one at a time. Uh, and she showed incredible bravery, and her story is inspiring. Abraham Lincoln freed all the slaves. So if you were a teacher and you had to divide up your time and you say, we're going to spend 50% of our time on Harriet Tubman and 50% of our time on Abraham Lincoln, I think your students would be missing out on understanding on what really important things happened in the, the Civil War. I mean, the Civil War was won by battles. You know, Without the battles, the slaves would not have been freed. So I, I'm, I'm pushing for a sense that there are things in history that sadly women were excluded from, but they're still important. And um, should we just not teach them because there weren't any women on the battlefield? I think that those stories need to be taught for students to understand the, the history of our nation. But I also think that the context needs to be enriched so that it's pointed out that the reason that Abraham Lincoln was president is because women couldn't run for president. And it comes down to having uh, a balance of who's making the decisions about what goes into history tech. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Books. Is there a danger that women will be celebrated rather than accurately portrayed? Um, I lived in Britain when Margaret Thatcher was prime minister. She is someone who, without doubt, changed modern Britain. She's one of the great mm -hmm. leaders of the 20th century, but mm -hmm. highly controversial. Not someone who should necessarily be celebrated, but rather assessed. Um, so I, I just wondered whether that does a d disservice to women to merely celebrate. I, I think we would agree with you there. You know, we need to look at that women have done some things that are not so great. And so you want to look at the entire panoply of women's lives.
Yeah, I want to. I, I want to support that. And actually, I was I was uh, poking around your very impressive uh, website, which has a wonderful um, catalog of of American women in history. And the entry on Margaret Sanger, for example, who started Planned Parenthood, was a great advocate for contraception. But she mm-hmm. also had some very uncomfortable, creepy mm-hmm. views about eugenics and some race, some highly uh, racist uh, attitudes. And that was covered clearly in the description. It wasn't brushed under the rug. And I thought that was important. Yeah, yeah. No, we talked a lot about that internally, about um, that you you can't just show one side of someone's life and just decide to ignore the other uh, because it's not comfortable, it's not convenient. We need to understand that women, like men, have led complex lives, and we may not agree with everything they did, and, and that's a way to learn from history as well. You look at it, and you go, okay, you know, she did that, but that didn't mean I have to do it, and, and in fact, I don't even think I want to do it. <laughs> All right, so I just want to circle back to your point about role models and your story. What kind of role models did you have when you were growing up? Well, uh, actually, I just did a TEDx talk, and the focus of it was I didn't have any. <laughs> really? That's fascinating. <laughs> right. Um, and But I don't think it's unusual for women of my generation, and there were very, very few women role models. I mean, there was Eleanor Roosevelt or, you, you know, someone like that. But, you know, I was in no position to have any dreams of becoming Eleanor Roosevelt. So um, many, many women of my generation would tell you that they had very few role models. So we had to make it up as we went along. And, you know, we would see some woman who would finally succeed in some area and you go, okay, well, there's hope for me. I can, you know, continue off down this way. And so, um, again, coming back to the studies is how much easier and how much more quickly young women can align with what they think is important and how they want to live their lives when they have role models. Well, that provokes an interesting question, which is we've come from a position where you were a child where there were virtually no women role models to a situation now where we have quite a few. What's the difference between where we were, where we're now, and where we should be? Well, now we have the opportunity for young girls and young boys um, to see what women have the potential of doing. And all of this is about there is a respect for what women contribute to our nation and to our world. So how's it coming and, along? Are, are, are we uh, are we going to see uh, ground being broken sometime in the next few years? What's your well? Timetable? Well, we hope so. We hope so. Uh, Congress appointed a commission to study the museum and is going to come back with some recommendations later this year. And then next year there will be legislation, um, hopefully identifying a specific building site and um, then we'll work to get that passed and um, start raising the money if we if we want this museum we have to raise the money privately okay our show is about solutions and and clearly part of the solution is to have a national women's history museum in washington how can we bring more women into leadership roles. I'm particularly concerned about companies where it seems that in many corporations there are barriers to women reaching the top. Um, I I think it's 
inch by inch become uh, more equitable. What about the role that textbooks can play? Um, Because they have changed in recent years. Uh, What Mm -hmm. other ways can they change in your view? Well, they can um, highlight more women from history. Um, Changing the history textbooks is a very difficult process. It's a very political process. And so that in and of itself is a a whole different campaign that um, someone would need to wage. But they could do better. So what else can we do? Well, we can talk about women's equality and the need for women's equality on shows like this (laughs) because i mean seriously it's not in everybody's everyday thinking so every time that they hear a program like this or or um, see an article about the need for a national women's history museum it's going to cause them to think about wow you know maybe there there could be some changes that could be made that's a great way to end. Joan Wages, president and CEO of the National Women's History Museum. Uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Hello? So, Jim, I'm, I'm calling you after listening to our show this week, and I don't know about you, but after I've listened back to a podcast, I often say to myself, why didn't I ask this question or that question? And oh, I just kind of wondered, sure. does that happen to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, every time. And, of course, I, sometimes I don't hear it until after it's edited, and I think, wait. I've got one more thing to say or one more question to ask, but, you know, it's in the can. Yeah. After listening to this episode with Joan Wages, I really wish I'd asked several questions, not just one, but several. I think we should have asked her about young women and millennials. You know, there was, there's a real generation gap here between uh, women in history and what people like Beyonce and Lady Gaga and Adele are doing today. Because to me, they're really powerful, take-charge women in popular culture who are sending a, a, a big message to, to women and, and what they can do about their lives. Certainly, you know, the world has changed a lot, and I'm not sure that everyone always wants to acknowledge the degree to which it's changed. Women writers, you know, I was thinking about Rachel Carson and her Silent Spring and the huge role that played in the environmental movement, and Harper Lee, who died recently, who had a profound impact on the way we think about race. It's just sort of examples that may not be on the front pages of history, but nevertheless had a big impact. Yes, absolutely. Well, I've got that off my chest. So let's now, let's now go back to the show and look at some of the listeners' emails. Before we start, I've always loved going into iTunes and looking at the comments. We have a couple of good ones this week. The show is of superb quality, both in topics and production value. Love wow. the <laughs> oh, <laughs> love, love the, that. Love the episode on the backlash against science and how we can fix it. And then we had an interesting criticism. Rick's text writes, I always find this podcast smart and relevant. The only episode I found lacking was the discussion of the Federal Reserve. It started with the premise that the Fed saved our economy in 2008 and an opposing viewpoint wasn't presented. I found Jim's personal take on this irritating, quote, my father told me so. Otherwise, the rest of the episodes have been consistently smart and informative. That's kind of a fair, that's sort of a fair criticism. We're both kind of irritating occasionally. (laughs) My point is that 
that show was more about the the founding of the Fed, how it got started, the role that it, it played early on. It would take a whole different show to really talk about the about the Fed's role in 2008. And and if the writer feels we sort of skated over that, yeah, that's a that's a fair criticism. And yeah, my father is a, was an economist who I learned a lot from him. But this show isn't really about appeals to authority, even if it's my dad. Yeah, <laughs> so um, yeah, but maybe we should do a show about why you're so irritating. <laughs> So, Richard, really important questions. I have to say, you know, for my part, I think the idea of a women's history museum in Washington, D.C. is a great idea. And I think there are a lot of perspectives on our history that would be great for people visiting Washington to really see it up close in a museum. I think what's very clear to me from this conversation and from others is that the changes are not going to come rapidly and they're not going to come as a result of government fiats or acts or people saying, look, we really need to do this or that. It's part of a changing national conversation. Right. The, yeah. the, the America that my daughter is growing up mm-hmm. in, 29 years old, just started a yoga studio, very different from the environment that we grew up in. And I have to say, well, I grew up with three sisters. So, you know, I hear a lot of this stuff about how we don't, you know, appreciate that women can do anything. I always had that idea that women could do do anything um, when I was growing up. But maybe I'm looking at the world kind of through rose-colored glasses. But here's where I want to push back a little bit. Uh, if, if 15% of a textbook is devoted to the role of women – Sadly, there may be a lot of areas where that's about the right percentage. Uh, for example, let's take physics. Um, you know, Marie Curie uh, was a fascinating um, scientist, did really important work in, in understanding the nature of radiation, discovered a couple of elements, uh, won two Nobel Prizes. So everybody should know who she is. But you don't really understand physics if you also don't know who, you know, Niels Bohr was or our, um, you know, Ernest Rutherford, who defined the structure of the atom roughly the same time that Curie was working. So if we um, if we define success as we're is we're going to spend half our time talking about women. The sad fact is there weren't very many women physicists. They were locked out of a lot of these fields. I absolutely agree. So I, you, I think the idea that you make it, you you just say, our goal is to talk 50% about women in history, I think is not going to work right. in terms of history. Yes. A lot of my perspective on this comes from my wife and the teaching that, that she did. Um, but it's a long overdue effort. I think it is happening, and I think we should continue it. Yeah, I do definitely think we need to continue the push. There's no question about that. And I do think there's a pro- problem, especially in private industry and in many companies where leadership roles at the top are not open to women as much as they might well, be. That's a topic for another show. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Good to talk about this, and I hope we continue to talk about it because I think it's really important, even if there are no obvious, simple, quick fixes and solutions. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer here in the studio. Our audio engineer, Denise Barbarita. At Mono Lisa Studios here in beautiful uptown Manhattan. The show is produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Thanks for joining us. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.